This is Bloomberg Business Week with Carol Masser and Bloomberg Quick Takes Tim Stenovic from Bloomberg Radio. Listen, folks, we have talked a lot in the past year about the renewed, dare I say, or really new real emphasis on things like health and wellness in all of its forms. Investors really uh, committing a lot of money to the area. Just recently, you might recall, we mentioned that Blackstone Group leading a $100 million funding round in on-demand mental health company, Ginger. So back with us to talk about VC investments and things like health and wellness and those beyond those traditional areas often sought out by Silicon Valley and Silicon Alley is Cameron Newton, founding partner and CEO you at Relevance Ventures back with us on the phone from Nashville, Tennessee. Cameron, how are you? I'm doing great, Carol. Thanks for having me back on. Well, it's nice to have you back. Before we get into some of your thoughts about what's going on in VC and investing, um, how's Nashville? Nashville's great. Uh, you know, we've had a couple of days of really good weather here after having, uh, you know, there was some flooding and so forth, which was yeah. unfortunate. But We've come out of that, and, uh, you know, it's a great place to be. I often get asked uh, why I chose to locate in Nashville, and, you know, uh, it's a really easy answer. It's a, it's a business-friendly area, business-friendly state, no state income tax. And probably one little-known fact about Nashville uh, to most in the country is uh, within a 600-mile radius is, you know, over 50% of the U.S. population. So from a geographic perspective, it's a... It's an ideal location. It's a win-win. It's one place I have not been in the country and I'm dying to go um, for so many different reasons. You know, it's interesting. You brought up no state income tax. And tax policy definitely shapes what companies do, what individuals do. What do you think about some of the initiatives that the Biden administration are talking about, especially when it comes to corporate income tax? Well, I, I tend to stay out of you know the discussion about the taxes at the federal level. I think when you get granular on it, though, it certainly affects emerging ecosystems in the venture space, I would consider uh, Tennessee and Nashville to be, uh, you know, very uh, business-friendly with a public policy geared towards a business-friendly environment. And that's encouraging businesses to move to Tennessee. That's encouraging entrepreneurs to leave other areas that perhaps have public policy uh, arrangements or tax arrangements that are not as compelling. Uh, And I think that that's lending to this kind of rise of the rest that you're seeing throughout the country where, you're having entrepreneurship and the entrepreneurial spirit just rage in areas that, you know, are, are not uh, historically areas where you would see companies being started at, uh, including the Southeast and Midwest. Well, okay, so interesting. And I do wonder, as you see, you know, some of these new companies that are ultimately being started. I mean, I know you guys are looking for things that are different when it comes to investing uh, in the VC world. Um, what in particular? I know we've talked with you about health and wellness. What more are you seeing on that front? Well, I think you mentioned uh, earlier in your comments about the ginger round in mm-hmm. the mental health space. So we're very bullish on the mental health space. We have two investments in that space, one on the health system side and one on the outpatient side, one we just did in January, actually in New York a company called Talkiatry, uh, which is really bringing you know, mental uh, health uh, services to the masses. Uh, you know, it, it's an industry that has historically been kind of uh, uh, anchored by a cash pay system and uh, somewhat of a taboo. People didn't want their insurance companies to know they were going to seek you know, someone to talk to, and I think right. that is falling away. And I think insurance companies now are engaging, and I think it's a prime time for that space. I think you're just going to continue to see massive growth. Yeah, when you look at your health and wellness, we've talked about some of it. Sunbasket, you mentioned uh, crew, Diet ID, the Good Patch. Um, What is it that guides you in terms of, you know, where you want to commit money? What is it that you're looking for? 
Yeah, that's a uh, that's a good question. So you know, Carol, we're we're a Native American owned venture uh-huh. fund, and so uh, that's who we are. It doesn't necessarily define us, but that's who we are. Our investing ethos is really anchored around this philosophy of harmony, which is certainly derived from our heritage. And harmony at its basic level uh, really is uh, increasing the connection of oneself to community, family, and nature while providing a balance of kind of mind, body, and spirit. And so how do you take that and overlay it in the uh, health and wellness space and, and look for companies that kind of meet or fulfill those criteria? So for us, it's really seeking uh, out companies that reduce the uh, the, uh, the reliance on the traditional healthcare system, which in our view really is, is geared toward treating symptoms. It doesn't really get to the root cause a lot of times of people's deficiencies or illnesses. And so as we look across the space, we look for companies that are doing just that. It really kind of falls in that preventative care space, so self-fulfillment, self-help, uh, Food is medicine. Food lifestyle is medicine. Uh, all of those things kind of go in and uh, into what we look for in that particular space. Hey, Cameron, I'm curious too. Um, you know, health wellness is certainly an area. FinTech is another area that you guys are in. What's your typical hold time for a company? And I'm just curious about exit strategies right now or if you're looking to do it in this market environment. Yeah, well, for us, you know, we are Series A and Series B investors, mm-hmm. so we're not the first check-in. The first check, your seed and pre-seed rounds are typically 8- to 12-year holds. Uh, you know, that, that's on average what we experienced. For us, we're, we're really investing in companies with an eye to, to look to liquidation somewhere between three and five years. Uh, sometimes it runs longer, sometimes it doesn't. I think what has emerged in the market uh, is just this massive amount of money in the, in the later stage VC or private equity world which is, uh, has been bootstrapped by, you know, your corporate VC arms and also your sovereign wealth funds. And so, uh, you know, there is an attractive option for early investors to actually sell secondary shares into larger, uh, you know, later stage VC rounds. I think, you know, everyone's watching the SPAC market too right now. Everyone's kind of watching the IPO market. Uh, it feels, uh, you know, that things are a little tighter, but, you know, deals are still getting done for good companies. And I think at the end of the day, that's really the important point, right? Um, you know, these de novo companies with five years of projections and everything happening in year five, uh, you know, probably are not going to be get, getting access to the market as easy as they did, you know, three, four months ago. Uh, but I do think for good companies that have real revenue, real cash flow, and in good positions in their respective markets, that market will remain open. So you're looking to do exits this year, next few months? I'm looking to do exits every year, Carol. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you're not going to give me. Any, wave, you're not going to give me anything more, are you? Well, if I could wave, wave my magic wand and, uh, <laughs> and do it without getting in trouble, I, 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 I would certainly share. But, but yes, I, I think that there's going to be an attractive market for uh, for exits this year, and you know, mm. even it'll be a little bit tighter, I think, in the public markets, uh, the IPO and SPAC market especially, and not so much on the SPAC side, but probably on the pipe, you know, the pipe side of the equation, it's going to get a little tighter, more competitive. Why? Why do you say that on the pipe side? Well, you know, look, uh, you've all read the stats about how many SPACs have been formed, how many billions of dollars are in the SPACs. Well, because of the mechanics of a SPAC, you really need a quality pipe to come in beside your your SPAC investment. And so, uh, you know, it's one thing to go raise money as a blank check company. It's another thing to go to the market, to the you know the the real money managers of the world, and say, here, evaluate these hundred SPACs. Which one do you want to put your your money in? And 
And so it's just becoming a more competitive situation. Yeah, we, we have a, actually a great story in the Bloomberg. It's among our most read. Some 300 SPACs debuted in the first quarter of this year, creating an oversupply with at least 302 that hadn't bought anything yet and were trading for less than the cash raised in their public offering. They're also facing an eventual deadline to liquidate if they don't come up with a deal. I mean, it is, there feels like a lot of money sloshing around looking for something. You got it. Mm. There is. Well, no, go ahead, please. Oh, I was just going to say, on, on the SPAC side of the equation, I think there's there's ample people that would want to talk to you in, in really any size company, uh, which is uh, probably not, not the, the, the best scenario. Uh, but I think the ones that are real, the real companies with real size and real market positions, real revenue and real earnings, I think they'll, they'll still continue to get it done. Is it driving up, though, some of the funding rounds because of this, because of all the money that's around? Well, it's interesting. We um, we haven't really experienced that. So there's, okay. there's, in our experience, there's really a bifurcation in the market. There's the SPAC market and the IPO market, mm. and then there's the kind of later stage PE and venture uh, funding rounds. And there's a, there's a considerable gap, I, I think, still between the valuations there. I think that is starting to close. So I think over time you'll see that fall more in line. And, uh, and uh, that anomaly will, will no longer kind of exist. It's certainly not in the, the way it does now. You know, when you talked about health and wellness, because I do feel like, you know, Cameron, that there was, and I know we've talked about this a little bit before, there really feels like there has been a gut change when it comes to health. It's not just about our physical well-being, but it really is about our mental well-being. Um, and I feel like it was such a taboo subject has been for years, but it's, you know, even as we've evolved, it still felt like nobody talked about it. This year, we kind of ripped the Band-Aid off. What are you seeing in terms of the investments that you've made where just the metrics at some of these companies that you're investing in where you're seeing it's really taking off? Yeah, I would say that particular space, especially on the telehealth side, so delivery mm-hmm. of psychiatric service, uh, services via telehealth, is just red hot. And so, uh, you, you know, you, you just see a lot of interest in the space. You know, we, uh, we invested in Talkiatry earlier this year, I believe in January. That's a New York-based business. We've already onboarded 30 providers, which was, you know, our target for the year, uh, and we've already uh, onboarded that many providers. And that has led to an immense amount of interest in the VC community with that particular company. And, and we just printed the Series A in January. Hmm. And so um, I think everyone is looking at this space trying to figure out how to play it. Right. And I think um, you can play it from the provider side, which you know is, has a little bit more difficulty to scale because you're building a business on the back of physicians. Uh, or you can build it from a wellness coaching perspective, you know, delivering wellness coaching to corporate America or, or things of that nature, which tend to scale easier. Right. But at the end of the day, the real shortage in the mental health uh, industry is on the provider side. There just, mm-hmm. just aren't enough psychiatrists. And so we've taken the position that we want to bet on that uh, that arbitrage. Interesting. You say red hot in this whole area. Um, is it red hot to the point that we're going to have a lot of companies and then ultimately there'll be some major players or will it be kind of a fragmented market going forward? Well, I, I think it depends on how you define the space because as mm-hmm. I mentioned earlier, it can be very broad what you consider be, to be mental health focused. Yeah. I think on the provider side, I mean, look, there's only so many psychiatrists in the U.S. There's a shortage of psychiatrists. So uh, there can't be too many companies because at the end of the day, uh, there's just not enough folks to work at them. So, uh, you know, telehealth is enabling uh, the service of a limited number of psychiatrists to, to be delivered to the masses. And so that's where we've kind of placed our bets. 
is saying, well, look, you know, we know that there's a shortage here. And, yes, there are some problems with scaling this quickly. But, you know, if you get it right, when you get it right, it's a very, very valuable business because you control the most valuable asset, the physician. Yeah, no, it's a good point. Hey, listen, just got about 45 seconds here um, left. When you look at this year, this upcoming year, I love talking to leaders, investors, just about what the visibility looks like, what it looks like uh, from this vantage point. And again, just got about 40 seconds. Well, I, we continue to see great deal flow, right? And I've been okay. very encouraged about what we're seeing in the southeastern United States and the Midwest. We're continuing to see things on both coasts. Very mature companies, you know, north of a million dollars of ARR, which is unique, and we're continuing to see that as a general kind of a, a thesis. Ten years ago, maybe 15% of the companies that accessed the Series A had revenue. Now 80% do. Wow. So, it's, uh, yeah, it's just a, it's a great environment. So I think we're positioned very well, and we're, we're pretty excited about what, uh, what this year holds. All right. Well, looking forward to talking to you. <clears throat> Excuse me. I got choked up there. Looking forward to uh, checking in with you again to find out uh, how those investments are playing out. Cameron Newton, he's founder and chief executive officer at Relevance Ventures, joining us on the phone from Nashville, Tennessee.